Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. We are back in the studio together with Mr. Rob Bonham. For those of you that missed episode 95, you want to go back. Rob and I talked about sales and marketing alignment, but we did something special in the beginning of that episode, something really nice. We gave Rob some walk-up music, and we decided that every episode will start it off with some nice walk-up music. And this week, we've got Greta Van Fleet and the Safari Song. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Rob Bonham. So Rob, how did you discover Greta Van Fleet? Uh, you know, Dave, uh, for those of you out there that um, are Led Zeppelin fans, my last name may sound familiar to you. And uh, I think I picked up on Greta Van Fleet because they do have a very um, interesting sound. It sounds very much like Led Zeppelin. So for those of you that are Zeppelin fans, um, you know, tune into those. But I did uh, first hear them on Saturday Night Live. They were on uh, a month or so ago. Oh. I like them, you know. I like it. Give it, a, give it a listen. Good jam. Who knows where we'll go on the next episode, but I, <laughs> I like it. When I, some people know this. When I go up on stage right before I do a talk, I, I get some music in my head. I put the earbuds in, and I'm backstage, and I normally play you know, a little Eminem, Lose Yourself. Yeah. And when you would go on sales calls or other places in your career, did you ever listen to music before oh, the big game? Oh, absolutely. I, I've got a soundtrack that, uh, you know, big game soundtrack Ooh. or a big sales uh, soundtrack. No, yeah. I mean, I've got a very eclectic uh, music library that I go to, so it depends on the mood. I had a great time at in Vegas. We we spent we spent a bunch of weeks in Vegas recently, and I got to uh, take a little break and DJ for a half hour, and that... There is just nothing that brings like a bigger smile on my face than playing music it, for it, people. It brought it back for you, didn't it? I love it. Yeah, you were you you had a big smile on your face. You um, the crowd was into it. It was fun. You know, I I decided it was very topical, uh, and I said I'll I'll do the opening song as Bohemian Rhapsody. It was uh, since yeah. it was a Oscar winner, best best actor. Great great show. Well, hopefully you guys love music. Rob and I clearly love music, uh, and we'll keep bringing it on every episode. The theme that we are going to stick with, we you know quote air quotes smarketing, and we in episode ninety five, Rob and I covered a lot of different topics. We talked about sales hiring and some of the uh, technology that we use for profiling salespeople. We talked uh, about sales enablement, but we want to stick with this theme around sales and marketing working together. We built a little outline for ourselves uh, and going to hit those topics for you. And so, you know, one of the places that we wanted to start, which is, you know, what are you aligning on, right? So if you're trying to align your sales and marketing team what are you aligning on? So, Rob, you joined the company a couple of years ago and you know came here. What was your approach to establishing alignment with with marketing, and and who gets involved in that? Um, there's a lot of questions there, Dave. Yeah. There uh, so I thought that uh, 
you know, first and foremost, from the sales standpoint, I needed to know what my objectives were going to be. Um, and obviously in sales, that's typically around revenue generation. Um, you know, for those that are listening, it may be revenue, it may be new logo growth, it may be uh, installed base growth, but um, you've got a target that you've got to hit. So it's clear that I needed to understand that first and foremost, um, because I couldn't go back to my marketing counterparts and say, you know, this is this is what we need to align on if I didn't know where we were going to go. So I don't I don't think a lot of organizations uh, marketing really understands the revenue, the new logo revenue number for the company, the install base revenue number for the company, uh, knowing how many clients you need and average deal sizes to do that. In my career experience and certainly consulting with a lot of our clients, I've asked those questions and it's I, I, I don't quite know the answer to that. So your point about, you know, you always know your number. You you actually, for sure, not only know your number for this year for us, but where you were last quarter and where you're tracking to. Every practically minute of the day, you were tracking those numbers. So your, your point is, um, know the revenue number that you're tracking. So from a best practice, like get aligned on the revenue that you need to generate together. But there's more than that, right? Beyond just the dollar number with the lines of business and such. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in, in our world here at DemandGen, it's all about how many leads are we going to generate? What the channels are that we're going to work? How are we going to work those? All of that, you know, resides um, at, ne- at least initially on the marketing side. So, you know, I needed to sit down with marketing leadership here at uh, DemandGen, same thing that folks would have to do out there, and understand where are we going to market, both uh, uh, generically here from our standpoint, but are there other things that are going on um, that are part, that are impacting it? So alliances, partnerships, um, uh, you know, are you uh, involved with channels where there's two-step distribution system where you've got distributors and things like that? So. Where are those leads going to come from? Uh, coordinate all of that into understanding how you're going to use those to get to your objectives. So it all starts at the very top of the funnel um, with the number of leads that you need to generate. How are you going to convert those? Uh, so on and so forth. So if you're not aligned with marketing on, number one, the objective, um, revenue objective, because that's how we're going to get there, and then um, how we're going to drive that go to market, it starts off wrong. Sometimes I find that the the challenges with um, numbers is that, let's take a campaign, for example. Let's say you've got 200 people in a campaign. I'm going to try to do fast math. And on that 200 people, you get an open rate of 25%, which some people just go, really? Can you get that anymore? Other people are like, only 25%, but let's just go with the numbers. So that's 50, okay? And then those 50 people are going to have a click-through rate. A lot of people use 2% as a benchmark. I'm going to use 10% because the math is just easier. So that's 5, all right? So 25% of 200 is 50, and 10% of 50 is 5. So now you've got 5 people who have clicked through to whatever the call to action was, right? And if you keep playing that math game all the way down to, well, how many opportunities will it create all the way down the funnel, what I often see is that the top of funnel number that is needed for net new leads to achieve the number of close one opportunities, it's it's unobtainable. You can't actually get a funnel that wide in a given target market to do that. Not the case in every industry, but when I've done reverse funnel math uh, and certainly help clients with it, that is a big challenge. So I do think that sometimes the math doesn't always work. That, for example, if you need to bring on 
100 new clients this year and an average deal size of $100,000 that you may not need to work up that way. And it's one of the reasons that I think ABM is so relevant to this day is because if you are more targeted and more precision, you can actually get to your number faster than trying to have such a wide top of the funnel. I want to get your thoughts on that because if you're saying in the context of sales and marketing need to align and talk about the number that leads are generated, if they go down that math path, it can end up with marketing walking out of the room like, there's, there's no freaking way I can no ever way. generate that. Yeah, you know, use it for a sanity test. I like to, you know, take a look at where I'm going, um, do that, do that um, math exercise to say how many do I need at the top of the funnel to work all the way down. Now, the assumption that you make in that exercise is that all leads and all channels are created equal, and they're not. Um, so you need to look at each one of the channels that are feeding in the top of the funnel. And you're, what you're going to find is that there's others that work better than, you know, some some of the other ones. So um, it, a lot goes into it and a lot of, uh, you know, kind of heavy lifting up front uh, to, to, to determine that. And then you layer on things like ABM. Um, you know, how are we how are we marketing once the lead gets in to, uh, into our funnel? So I don't think there's I, – I think – if you're going to use that that kind of math, use it just as a sanity test to make sure you're heading in the right direction, um, because you'll know very quickly that the numbers at the top may not uh, translate to what is actually possible. Do you think companies, when they, let's say we start off the year and let's say everyone's practicing what we're preaching, which is getting sales and marketing in the room together, who do you have in talking about those revenue goals and who's going to be responsible for cascading that information down the organization? Because I'm thinking, does marketing operations need to clearly know those objectives? Yes. Um, do the, does the content team or corporate communications team, whatever that department is that's creating content, you know, how much do you need a shared vision on the revenue and the number of clients and the lines of business? Oh, I think it has to be across the organization. I don't think you can limit that to just a handful of, of people, that everybody's got to buy into what the ultimate goal is um, because that's, you know, that's how we keep the lights on. So um, I, think it's, I think it's marketing operations. I think it's marketing. I think it's demand generation in some organizations. Um, it's sales ops. It's um, sales leadership, um, translating that down to the salespeople, um, understanding what they have to accomplish. Um, if you've got an inside sales group, they need to know about that and how each one of their um, their roles fits into accomplishing what our, our overall goals are. So um, yeah, I think it has to be across the organization in terms of understanding that. Now, in the sales and marketing alignment, which is what we're talking about today, it needs to be um, everyone from marketing leadership on down in the marketing organization and the same on the sales side, because you have to have alignment on things like taxonomy. Do we all agree what an MQL is, um, an SAL, SQL, all of those things? Do we understand how those leads are coming in and agree upon that? And then, uh, the, you know, we need to start with that first. So number one would be understand what the objective is, objectives are, um, and then what it is that's going to allow us to get, get uh agreement on what those things are that are going to drive that. Yeah. One of the reasons I think it's so important to do some of the math and projections and modeling between sales and marketing is that cascades down to resourcing. Uh, and we talked on the last podcast, if you remember, we were saying, you know, there's that time when there's so much demand that is generated in the upper funnel, and then there's so much pipeline that sales is working on 
that if sales has to pick where they're going to focus their attention, they're going to focus on their pipeline. They're going to focus on deals that are in flight and they're going to ignore what is in the queue above that, you know, the, the MQLs and the inquiries, which is why so many people have turned to an SDR team or BDR team to focus on that upper funnel uh, area. What I don't often see companies do is really talk about revenue and demand generation by a line of business. So reason I'm saying to talk about these things, not only at the beginning of the year, but throughout the year is if you're going to generate a certain volume of leads or need to, who's going to support that lead generation? And let's say you have a couple different lines of business as we have. We have our managed services, which is helping our clients on a a regular basis with uh, things like campaign services or data services or other expert services. We don't necessarily ourselves in the beginning of the year forecast you know, how many leads or clients we necessarily need in those areas. We're not practicing what we preach there. We're we're focusing on top line revenue and then kind of going after it. And then we look and course correct during the year and say, well, have we generated enough leads or demand in this line of business? What are we going to do about it? And I think it's unfair to marketing when all of a sudden you realize you're missing your revenue number and then you come to them and say, hey, we need to throttle up. On the contrary, is it, you know, if marketing is participating in these conversations and aware of what the numbers are, then they should be crafting their demand generation campaigns to generate sufficient demand and revenue for those different lines of business. Yeah, you're spot on. So, um, you know, if you run into that problem where you're, you're, you know, a quarter into it, two quarters into it, and all of a sudden you're not generating the right kind of revenue, okay? You're generating revenue, but perhaps it's not the right kind of revenue. That to me suggests that you didn't have alignment in the very beginning. So um, you know, it's not just if I'm going to sit down with with Tiffany here, and we're going to we're going to plot out what we need to do for for our fiscal year. Um, I'm not just saying I need it. Here's the number I need to hit. Um, we're talking about how I need to hit that, how I need to um, approach it, and that definitely impacts how she approaches it and how she manages content, how she delivers her campaigns, all of those kind of things. So there's, you know, I'm not going to say that there's no bad revenue, <laughs> but maybe there's not, there's there's better revenue than other revenue. So you need to do that up front. And that's all part of that alignment um, with sales and marketing in the very beginning. So when you're going through your, your annual planning cycle, um, you know, if you're using the calendar year as your fiscal year, it's usually happening September, October, November of the prior year, that's the time when you line all that stuff up. Don't don't be going back in in June and saying, you know, we we took the wrong path. How do you? you know, what advice do you have for for sales leaders like yourself or even territory managers to forecast how many members of the team that they need? So you you started off the year where we sat down as a leadership team and said, okay, what's our overall revenue goal for the year? How much of that will come from our install base and how much of that needs to come from net new? Walk us through the process of how you then took that number and decided how to staff your organization and how you keep evaluating that. Yeah, um, it, is a, it is a continual process, um, particularly for a company like ours where we, we're in pretty rapid growth mode. I think what you need to do is you need to go back and, and, and again, sit down, put pen to paper and, and say, how many leads can a can a an account executive handle or a, a inside sales person handle uh, on any given day, any given week, any given month? How's that going to convert into opportunities? And then how are you going to convert those opportunities into 
uh, close one and then put a dollar value against that. What's a realistic dollar value that you can expect from your product or your services, whatever it is that you're selling as a sales leader? Um, that will give you a framework to understand how many bodies you need to have. Certainly territories come into that. Um, there's, there are those of you out there that are listening that have um, geographical territories. Maybe you have a vertical um, that you align your salespeople with. That needs to come into account also um, in determining the number of people that you need. You know, when you are growing an organization, you need to certainly take into um, account how long it's going to take a new salesperson, even if they're not, um, you know, they could be an experienced salesperson, but they're new to your company and maybe new to your product and services or, or industry. How long is it going to take them to get up to speed? In your experience across different companies that you've worked at and industries, how long should it take a typical sales rep to start to get productive? Realistically, I think um, running their own deal cycle is probably in the five to six month range to truly understand how you how you market and sell for a particular company. I think you have to be through uh, an entire year. I think you have to be through, uh, you know, especially businesses that have a seasonal aspect to it. You have to go through that one time before I think salespeople are truly comfortable um, in delivering without a lot of handholding. There's an interesting emotional experience that I've had going through my career, and that is, and it's it's interesting if if we look at it from both sides. How, how you have felt about this, and I'll tell you how I have felt about this. So in marketing, I get a budget uh, at the beginning of the year. What's interesting is like the budget that you come up with has a lot to do with the salaries, commissions, you know, travel and entertainment expenses. You know, your, your budget around sales has most to do with their salaries and the expenses related to those people being on the team. And I'm not counting things like their Salesforce license and other stuff, but that's primarily it. When marketing puts their budget together, they put together, um, yes, their headcount, but they have to develop the program's budget, right? right? What we're going to spend. And I have felt an, an element of insecurity over my career where when we launch a campaign and the campaign flops or didn't achieve what we thought out to be, that you know, you want to go into the boardroom or the executive team and and have transparency and say, but it like really sucks to go in there and say, so we ran this campaign and it sucked. It didn't produce what we want. And I've always felt uh, uncomfortable about that. And I'm certainly very comfortable with talking about the campaigns that were very successful when they moved the needle. But let's face it, not every marketing campaign is going to work. On the sales side, where I'm going with this is you could have an army of sales teams or different territories. And I'm sure the same experience happens in sales where you have either salespeople who you made the wrong hire or they're underperforming or they were a performer and no longer. So can you tell me what it feels like in sales when you've either propped up a territory or a sales strategy or a team and you go through the same type of you know lack of success? Well, um, I, I think you, know, you point back to your career. I look at my career. I'm sure that there's been a certain percentage of the salespeople that have worked for me over my career um, that um, you know were not in the right spot. Either they were in over their heads in terms of what it was that we were selling, 
Um, they didn't have the skill set to address the customer needs like we would need them to do, whatever the case may be. Um, so, you know, spoiler alert, we're probably going to talk about how to hire people um, down the road. But I think it starts with that. You gotta, you've got to have, uh, you know, we talk about on marketing, the ideal customer profile. You know, it's the ideal salesperson profile for what it is that you're doing. So drill, drill down on that in the very beginning. Hiring is really important. Um, I do not think that it's realistic to think that, particularly with um, you know sales organizations that um, have some size, um, that everyone's going to be successful. And I think you um, you need to continue to manage to the highest common denominator, not to those people that are underperforming. And you need to, uh, as hard as it may be, work those people that are underperforming. Give them give them the chance to perform. Um, but there has to be a point in time when you're um, you're like this isn't going to work and you need to um, move on. Do you think, Rob? I guess where I'm trying to go is, I as you know, I believe in a very transparent culture and radical candor because I think that environment helps people um, improve and get to the best versions of themselves. Uh, saying like earlier on in my career, where I'm younger, if we didn't perform in a campaign, I felt. Um, I felt challenged with really exposing that because of how that may have looked or reflected on marketing or the team. Does sales feel the same way is, is really my question. Have you felt or do you think sales teams feel when a territory underperforms or individual underperforms? Do you mask that? Do, are, you, are you very open about it and talk about why that didn't uh, succeed? Because in marketing, it's a program. It's less about the people. Where sales, it's more of a people issue. And so I'm wondering just, just your perspective on it. I, I I'd kind of take the same approach. You know, if if you have an organization of let's say 100 people and 50 of them are are knocking it out of the park and another 25 are close but not there and then 25 um, uh, percent are not, you've got a you've got a problem um, and you need to you need to address that. So you got to look back at did we do the right do, first of all did we hire the right people? Did we train them in a way that uh, allowed them to be successful? Did we give them the tools to be successful? Um, and if you can answer all those questions in the affirmative and they still, you know, aren't uh, performing, then you know it's time to it's time to fess up and move on. Yeah, I, it's, it's top of mind for me because I had a conversation last night with one of our clients on the East Coast, and she was talking about. Uh, how they finished up their year last year and and how their first quarter was and she was saying that sales in certain territories missed and there was a lot of discussion between the two of like was the miss due to sales performance or sales process was it due to marketing not driving enough demand it it's not easy to see where that is and it's probably a combination of things but she was certainly feeling very vulnerable and exposed in that some of the conversations that she was not in the room sounded like the finger was getting pointed on marketing. Well, one of the reasons that we didn't perform in that territory or that line of business was marketing was focused in other areas where she's feeling like, hey, I know the sales leader and actually he's leaving the company right now. So clearly there's a performance issue there. And and it was just an interesting discussion. Well, I think, you know, I know, and I think most sales leaders know if you're underperforming in a territory, you know the reasons why. Everybody has a bad quarter from time to time, you know, and, and in some cases it's, it's elements that are out of your control. You know, client uh, that you're working with, people leave. Um, your champion leaves. Uh, 
Um, they're making a shift in direction. All of those kind of things can, that can impact a salesperson, even if they're doing everything right. Um, so that you've got to set aside. But if you see something that's systemic in a, in a territory with a particular individual, then um, you, know, you need to address that. One of the things I really admire about you, and I wonder how much of it comes from you being a lacrosse coach and, and so close with your family when it comes to sports, is that when you win a game, you celebrate that success and you also know that that game's now behind you and it's time for the next game. Like I really admire that with you, which is you don't get frazzled quarter to quarter, month to month. Now last year, as you know, we had a great year. We did 105% of plan. We've now passed through Q1. We're also as a company, again, 105% of plan. We're gonna miss. We're gonna have a quarter or a month where we don't perform. And how do you, how do you, what goes on in your head? Uh, uh, you, it, it's always, I think I learned this whether I was playing sports or coaching sports. Enjoy it tonight, um, but tomorrow we go back to work. So um, I think we talked about in episode 95, which uh, um, people will know is one of the most popular episodes it in is. Demand Gen Radio, <laughs> um, uh, is that uh, you know come January 1st, it was like, hey, that was fantastic. Kudos to everybody that worked really hard to get us there. Now what are we going to do? Yeah, you so, said that day two. Day two. And, and I'm, you know, maybe I'm just wired that way. It's like, um, I don't want to get too high. I don't want to get too low. Stay, stay the course um, and execute on your plans. So, you know, we're kind of getting off the topic here of sales and marketing alignment, but it, it, also, it is all about planning up front and, um, and executing those plans. They're not all going to work. Um, that doesn't mean that the, the concept and the, and the process is flawed. It's just, uh, you know, learn from why it didn't work um, and adjust and, and keep moving forward. Yeah. You, you think we're off topic and that's because it's your sales brain. But for me, and I'm wearing not the role of CEO, I'm really wearing my, my previous roles of, of head of marketing is I think sales is, is really good at looking at the scoreboard and having in a great environment, a great coaching environment to keep improving. Marketing struggles a bit more with taking risk and trying new programs that they've not done before because if there's a big expense paid i know a company going through a radical rebrand right now a very expensive rebrand one where they pulled so much dollars from demand generation programs to fund the rebrand and i was thinking like god that's such a risk because how are you going to measure the effectiveness of the rebrand because you certainly are going to feel the impact of the demand gen dollars so if marketing and sales we're more aligned in knowing that we've got to go achieve, this is the mountain we got to climb, that's the number. And we're going to make mistakes along the way and we're going to try stuff, but we're going to keep always moving forward uh, together, fail fast and recognize where things are. I just don't think the transparency in my experience between sales and marketing on what's working, what's not working and how we're going to get there uh, is as good anywhere as it needs to be. Yeah, including here. I think that's a great point and something we should probably dig into a little deeper is that common, uh, almost like common training, um, but where you're training marketing and, and sales all around revenue generation and how we're all tied together with that. Um, I don't think we do enough of that. Um, you know, and it's, it goes back to the adage of, uh, sometimes a be the best, uh, um, offense is a good defense. So if you're able to create turnovers on defense, um, that's going to give you offense. And if you're able to 
uh, you know, generate great campaigns and marketing, that's going to help the sales side. And vice versa, if sales is executing on the processes um, that marketing sets up and the tools that we have, um, then that's going to make the marketing side more effective as well. So I, I think that's something to dig into. And for those that are listening, you know, look at your own organization and, and, and ask yourselves, are you doing cross-training? And are you, is that cross-training aligned with what you're trying to accomplish as an organization? Um, there's just not enough of that, I don't yeah. think. We're good at, at scoreboarding, I think, here better than other organizations I've been at, maybe because, you know, I'm a CEO working closely with you and Tiffany. Uh, every month, as you know, actually every week on Fridays, we come out Friday with scoreboard. the... Yeah, the Friday scoreboard that comes out of finance, which is here is the sales numbers, where we are uh, month to date, quarter to date, year to date, broken out by rep as a team, uh, and then we also produce every month our scorecard for revenue across every line of business. So we always know where we are, and those scoreboards go out to sales, to marketing, sales ops, marketing ops, and the leadership team. I wonder how many companies have that much transparency and these simple scoreboards to know where they where they are. Yeah, well, it gets back to we're all on the same team, right? Yeah. So we should all be uh, measured um, by uh, the success, and and it's not, you know, it's not sales being successful. It's, if I'm successful, it's because other parts of the organization have been successful as well. So let's wrap up with uh, one thing that's going on in one or more, up to you, one or a couple of things that are going on between sales and marketing, either that happened in Q1 or is happening now that you feel is a great uh, alignment aspect, things that you guys are working on together to get sales and marketing even more aligned or focused on achieving something. What's happening? Yeah, I think that, you know, the one thing that's um, we're working in Q1 and, and now here in Q2 on is... Um, alignment on the campaigns. What campaigns are coming out? When they're coming out? What are they? Who, who you know? Who's the audience they are addressing? Um, because then you know we can on the sales side we can go and and address those um, customers or prospects in a more timely fashion than perhaps we uh, did before. So um, I'm getting better, uh, you know, as a sales leader and understanding when those are coming out. What uh, what channels of communication the marketing uses to let us know on the sales side, uh, you know, giving us a heads up on when they're coming and, and what they're going to be. Um, and that helps me um, train and coach my people on, on how to address those. And, and we're, we're starting to take greater advantage of that. And we really didn't do that as well as, as um, in, in 2018. as we, we're on Now sure. in 2019, there's, yeah. um, and it gets back to, you know, continual alignment and continuing to work closely with your your counterparts, whether it's marketing with sales or sales with marketing. Yeah, I've seen you guys do that. I'm it's a, I'm glad you brought that one up because that definitely like spotlight. Uh, there was a marketing calendar that was put together. It's kind of always been there, but it really wasn't communicated the frequency it was being updated, which it was being updated, and then how to get to it so that sales can see like, okay, these are the campaigns that are gonna be running. And then you guys went further where it wasn't just, okay, you're on the seed list, so you'll know when it launches, but really planning when it's gonna launch, what are the components of it, and then now you're doing, uh, adding on as well, post campaign where they're going back sales marketing ops sales ops is going back and saying okay here are the links to the campaign members in salesforce from that campaign as a constant reminder of that that campaign launched 
here's the results of the campaign, here's the members so that they can go and do it. It's been a big change. I'm glad you brought that up. It'd be great if every episode we take a look at either the month or the quarter, whatever frequency, and say what's one thing that we're doing differently or doing better that we haven't been uh, doing in the past. Yeah, I think you know we should just continue to challenge ourselves um, as sales leaders to understand what marketing is doing, see how that ties into how you run your business on the sales side. There's always uh, room to get better. I'm I'm constantly doing that, and and you know sometimes I I suppose I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm like oh that's great marketing's doing that, and Tiffany tells me yeah I've been doing that for forever, <laughs> so um, I, you know I'm learning too. Yeah, we all are, always. Well, thank you for joining me again. Uh, we went through a busy show season, so you and I didn't keep the frequency that we hoped. Let's not have any more excuses and get you back in here in the in the studio because it's only about fifty feet away from where you are. Every not day. even, yeah. Two back to back weeks in Vegas will slow you down. I was crushing, yeah, uh, but but great. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio with our our mini series called Smarketing that Rob and I will continue to do. Love to hear from you guys. Love to hear if there's more topics that you want us to cover. But that's going to do it for this episode. We'll catch you on the next one. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.